0: that that feeling of disgust for this particular sin is truly just a fraction of what God feels when he looks at their own sin. We're telling me that somehow this is the worst sin. That gays and lesbians deserved a hotter place in hell, that Jesus had to hang on the cross a little bit longer for gays and lesbians. Homosexual behavior is a sin not homosexual feelings I had thought that if I were to become a Christian that I would have to become a heterosexual God never says be heterosexual for I am heterosexual therefore the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality that is not the goal but the opposite of homosexuality is holiness Yes, that was a little dose of irony, a clip of Queen singing Liar at the beginning of a podcast that's going to focus on the claim that you can be homosexual and Christian. I love irony. I love satire. I love sarcasm. Pray for me. My name is Ed Dingus, and you are listening to The Reformed Rant, a podcast where I rant about... Talk about the most important theological, philosophical, cultural issues of the day From a distinctly Reformed Baptist perspective At least I think they're the most important issues going on today And on this episode I'm ranting about the fact that homosexuality has arrived In even some of the most conservative Southern Baptist churches in the Southeast Matthew Vines, Sam Albury Jonathan Merritt, now Christopher Yuan. All these men have one thing in common. They wish to invite what we have traditionally recognized as homosexuality into the membership of our churches. In fact, one of these men, Christopher Yuan, has argued for the concept of Christian pedophilia. Christian pedophiles. You can be a pedophile and be a Christian. That's right. You can be sexually attracted to little kids and love Jesus, too. Your disorder is no different from the temptation to lie, to steal, or lust for your neighbor's wife. In fact, Johan recently stated on Twitter, some people actually struggle with pedophile temptations but don't act on them. To be held accountable by a few trusted people is important. This is how we should handle all our sin struggles. All our sin struggles. Is this what the church has really become? Is this really walking in the fear and the holiness of God? Or is this a perfect example of how the morality of the church mirrors, tracks, parallels, mimics the morality of the culture in which it finds itself? How should Christians think about the modern Sexual deviance we see taking place right before our very eyes How are we to be the light of the world In a culture that has become so sexually degraded and depraved? What should the church's position be on matters like homosexuality Gay marriage, transgenderism, pedophilia, bestiality The purpose of this episode is to first and foremost encourage true believers to stand firm. Stand firm on the biblical teachings regarding homosexuality. And by homosexuality, (laughs) by homosexuality I mean sex between two people of the same sex as well as thoughts, feelings that make you want to have sex with someone of the same sex, whether the object of that lust is specific or nonspecific. It's all homosexual behavior. Sex with someone of the same sex is homosexual behavior. The desire, the feelings, the want to, the thoughts that you have about, sexual thoughts that you have about Someone of the same sex, either specifically or in general. or homosexual acts, they make you a homosexual. You do not have to have sex with someone of the same sex in order to be classified a homosexual. In the world of thought, and that's what we're dealing with here, you're going to hear people try to separate feelings, desires, temptations. I'm going to take you to the world of thought. I'm going to give you a different way to frame this. I'm going to give you what I think is a better way to frame this. In the world of thought, if your sexual thoughts are directed toward the same sex, then you are a homosexual, whether you act on those thoughts or not. Now, by the way, uh, I'm going to get a little somewhat probably more graphic for some people to (laughs) to. Uh, Some people are going to be uncomfortable with how graphic I get. Let's just say it this way, okay? But I'm going there anyhow. I'm not going to, I'm just going there anyhow. Self pleasure while having homosexual thoughts is a homosexual act. Now we have to ask the question, we have to be honest with ourselves. What percentage of people do this? According to the most reliable studies, it's off the charts. Like 80, 90%. And someone would jokingly say, and the other 10 to 20% are lying. Listen, folks, homosexual fantasies, homosexual thoughts are homosexual acts. And you cannot separate feelings from thoughts. It's impossible. So we're dealing with the world of thought. And when you start dealing with the world of thought, the human will comes into play. This is very, very important. People are not talking about this this way. They are not framing it correctly. They are allowing homosexuals to to set the narrative. And we have to stop that. All right. A homosexual, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is someone who is sexually attracted to people of the same sex. Now, guess what that means? That means that if you are in a church that believes... You can be sexually attracted to people of the same sex, and it's not a sin as long as you don't act on it. You, if you're in a church that embraces that ideal, you are in a church that affirms homosexuals and that believes you can be homosexual and be a Christian. Okay? Once you buy the idea that you can be sexually attracted to people and it not be a sin, sexually attracted to someone of the same sex and it's not a sin, the next thing the homosexuals are going to do is pull out the dictionary. Now, this Christopher Yuan spends a lot of time trying to say I don't identify as a homosexual, but he really does identify as a homosexual because he does not identify as a heterosexual. And we'll get into his logic on the opposite of homosexual shortly. By the way, the the definition for a pedophile is someone who has sex or desires to have sex with a child. So if you are in a church that that is affirming both someone who has who has same sex attraction and not sinful, and someone who who has is attracted to children wants to have sex with kids, but they don't act, and that's not sinful, you're in a church that affirms Christian pedophiles and homosexuals. That's what you're in. All right, if the Bible defines someone who... Now, this is what's going to happen, okay? People are going to say, well, that's not the biblical definition of a homosexual. The biblical definition of homosexual is, you know, someone who's penetrating another man, having actual sex with another man. Really? Well, the Bible's coherent, which means it's internally consistent. The Bible would define someone who looks at your neighbor with lust as an adulterer, doesn't it? Would... Would the Bible call you an adulterer if you looked at porn on your computer? If you were engaging in self-pleasure while thinking about the lady at work or your neighbor's wife or whomever? It says that's adultery, and if you're doing it, practicing it, you're an adulterer. Wouldn't it define someone whose sexual thoughts are directed at people of the same sex as homosexuals then? Of course it would. Listen, guys listen very carefully. There are no gray areas with God. You're not going to talk your way out of this one. You might be able to sit down as a pastor or a leader and and work your magic on unsuspecting, non-critically thinking people and convince them that this is okay. You won't do it with a sharp, biblically sound person who's a critical thinker. But you'll do it with with the rest. And uh, unfortunately, most people are not critical thinkers today. But I'll tell you who you won't do it with. You won't do it with God. Not for one single solitary second. And I think, I bet you, you won't even try because you know better. You won't even try. You will hang your head as God has his way with you. The second objective of this episode is to help you better frame the conversation in a way that helps others see the fallacy in the arguments of men like Sam Albury and Christopher Ewan and others. Look, when God redeems you, when He regenerates you, He does not leave you in bondage to homosexuality or pedophilia or bestiality or any kind of sexual bondage. He saves you from it. He does not leave you bound in or captive to your homosexual thoughts. He delivers you from them. Is God so impotent today that he cannot deliver his own people from sin and bondage any longer? This is, you see, this is really the heartbeat of this issue as I get into this this rant. This really isn't about your view of homosexuality. This is the outworking of your view of God, your doctrine of God, what God is capable of doing. This is the outworking of your, your view of the gospel and its power or lack thereof. You've lost faith. The reason these pastors have these guys in their churches is to preserve their kingdoms because they have lost faith in that God will preserve the kingdom. And they think it's their job to preserve the kingdom and they've got to come up with narratives and tools and trips, tips and tricks and techniques to preserve the kingdom. God doesn't need your tricks. He doesn't need your techniques, he doesn't need your narratives. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. These people do not believe that. You see, we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. But it is the power of the gospel through the work of the Holy Spirit who rips out a heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and frees us from bondage to sin. All sin. All sin. All right. Let's jump into what the Bible says about homosexuality. We'll start there and then we'll we'll make our way through. We'll come back around to these Yuan clips and I'm going to address them. I'm going to address, I'm going to address some of the things he teaches, some of the things he claims, and I'm going to show you how he is absolutely categorically wrong in, the, in his logic, wrong in how he's framing these issues. He's wrong on the idea of, of temptation versus feeling versus desire. He's wrong on these things. Wrong. Reject. This man's teaching. And if you're in a church of pastors who are embracing these ideas, it isn't Christopher Yuan, it's the ideas. If you're in a church that has pastors who are embracing these ideas, it's because they have lost their true faith in the power of God to deliver from sin. They don't believe in the power of the gospel any longer. They will tell you they do. They will say they do. And they might preach great sermons from time to time that indicate they do. But when they do things like this, they prove through their actions that they really don't believe what they say. I don't judge these men based on what they stand in the pulpit and say. I judge them differently. I judge them by what they do I judge them by what they don't do. And to me, one of the most important things when a man is preaching in the pulpit is not what he says. It's what he leaves unsaid. It's what he doesn't say. When he's in a text and I know what the text says and I understand how to exegete the text. I understand the background of the text. I know what the writer's doing. I'm listening closely. And I will judge that man based on the things that he doesn't say. And I'll pay very close attention from sermon to sermon to sermon to sermon to sermon to to see if I can see a pattern emerge. And almost always there is a pattern. Almost always. Not always. Almost. And today, those patterns exist in more pastors then they don't. All right. All right, let's go back to the created order. We'll start from the very beginning, and we'll look at God's design, and then we'll look at God's law in the Old Testament first, and then we'll move to the New Testament. Genesis 1, 26, 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, "...according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them." That's Genesis 1, 26, 27. This is God's design. He created man, male and female. He created them. This is God's design. In Genesis uh, 1.31, just a few verses later, it says, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. It was very good. So God creates man and woman. In his own image, in his own likeness. He looked at this creation of man and, and woman, and he said it was good. He gave this man and woman a command. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. This is God's design. How did God design human beings from the very beginning? He designed them to be as we call it today in modern vernacular heterosexuals. That's what God created. In fact, he looked at man at one point and said, "It is not good." for him to be alone and the suitable helper, companion that God created for man so that he wouldn't be alone was not another man. It was a woman. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of my side. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think would have happened if Adam had rejected Eve and told God, I really don't want a woman? I don't I'm not interested or worse create me another me another man This is a glimpse folks into the created order God's plan from the very beginning and it's also a glimpse into God's plan of redemption Adam and Eve being a picture of Christ and the church And it also is a picture of God's covenant family. Be fruitful. God blessed them, said, said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we even today have people who are offended by this idea. If it is God's design, it seems to me in 2022, if it is God's design, that it is just ipso facto offensive, at least to modern Western folks, especially Americans at this point. Just outright, downright offensive. According to God's created order, God's design, the family, is the foundation for all humanity. The husband-wife relationship is the picture Christ. His redemptive bride while the family The family unit is a picture of God's covenant people The church Without the husband-wife relationship There would be no populated planet Be fruitful and multiply There would be no church There would be no need for redemption God's plan elevated the husband-wife Family arrangement to a place Of prominence Without it we lose everything from humanity to christ's redemptive work in humanity mark those who use language who use language to devalue depreciate make light of or even insult marriage and the family these were god's ideas this was God's plan. This is God's design. Homosexuals are invading evangelical churches and attempting to convince us that the church has turned the family into an idol. Christopher Yuan has done this himself. Turned the, the family into an idol because of the prominence given to the idea of marriage and the family by The churches. And we give this prominence to those ideas because Scripture gives this prominence to those ideas. What is this really about? What is he trying to do? This accusation reminds me of a spoiled child throwing a temper tantrum. They are angry that they cannot be homosexual and have a family, and they're angry that they cannot have a spouse. Because the spouse they want is not the kind of spouse that God created for them and gave them. Well, it was God who placed marriage and the family in this position of prominence. But just as homosexuals work to deconstruct God's design for human sexuality, they are also working hard to deconstruct God's design for humanity and for marriage and for the family. And On top of this, to add insult to injury, we have reckless fools in leadership positions who do not think critically about these issues. Rather than rebuke these false teachers sharply, they platform these men so that they can do their damage to the church, the body, and the bride of Christ. Christopher Yuan recently came to Hickory Grove Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I asked one of the pastors about some of the things that Christopher Yuan was on record saying. And this pastor had no idea that he had said these things. No clue, no discernment, no critical thinking, no examination, no respect for God's people. Just put anyone in front of them without examining them. This is arrogance that's the epitome of arrogance. It's not humility. It's not love. It's not serving the body of Christ. It's hurting the body of Christ. Sad. Very sad. What category does homosexuality belong to or homosexual sex? There's one kind of human sexuality that is natural. We call it heterosexuality. This is God's design for Sex. It was God's idea. He created it. He is the source of heterosexuality. This is the descriptor we give it. Descriptors are necessary for clear and concise communication. Every other kind of sexual behavior is contrary to heterosexuality. It's contrary to nature, contrary to God's design. Homosexuality then is unnatural. This is the descriptor we give to people who engage in unnatural or naturally disordered practices or feelings, desires, thoughts of having sex with someone of the same gender, someone of the same sex. And when I say gender, I mean sex. They're interchangeable. Biological science teaches us that sex should be between a man and a woman. Men are not designed to be penetrated in that matter. They're just not made that way physically. It is that simple. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to allow you to muddy the waters. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to... I'm not the kind of person that will let this go to the complex levels uh, and have it be muddied and garbled with all kinds of philosophical jargon, modern jargon, that, at, that when you strip it all away, comes down to the fact that these men want to sin. They want to be able to want to have sex with another man and have that be Okay. And they want us to believe that they've got the self-control that other men don't have. What heterosexual man do you know who has that natural urge for sex in his life? He does not have the gift of celibacy. He has that natural urge. Who doesn't act on it in one way, shape, or form? They don't exist, folks. And I'm not going to let you keep this in the realm of the abstract, of the theoretical. Because I know that these men are engaging in activities that are unacceptable, that are ungodly, that are sinful. And we're turning a blind eye to it. We're being deliberately naive. I have a pastor of a local church who sees all this stuff going on and claims to want to give people the benefit of the doubt, claims to want to believe the best in people, and it sounds pious. It sounds pious. It's not pious because he knows better. He's not naive. He's what I call deliberately naive, conveniently naive, naive in the sense that He doesn't really want to deal with these issues He doesn't want to talk about them He doesn't want to get into them He doesn't want to dig into them Because it's dirty It's unpleasant It's uncomfortable You have to confront You have to call people out And it's just not popular in our culture It's not popular in our society And he thinks God is okay With him being deliberately naive As a senior pastor Of what we would call a megachurch well, I'm sorry, but God is not okay with that. Not okay with it, with me being deliberately naive, you being deliberately naive, naive, or or a, a pastor of a megachurch being deliberately naive. We're Christians who listen to this. We are Christians who also happen to be pedophiles. This is a okay. <laughs> the other sex that's unnatural, pedophilia, of course. There's a Christian website, Christian pedophile, a Christian pedophile website. We are Christians, it says, who also happen to be pedophiles. We have an unwanted and involuntary attraction to children. But we've decided to obey Christ and not act according to those feelings. In no way do we condone sexual involvement with children. It is inherently harmful and is not what God wants for our sexuality i got news for you. Not only does God not want you to have sex with children. God does not want you to want to have sex with children. But that doesn't seem to stop you, does it? You still want to. And you claim that your want is unwanted and involuntary, which I reject. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you may very well be in bondage to pedophilia or homosexuality, or bestiality, or sex in general. You may be a sex addict. You may be in bondage to that. You may watch porn every single day for hours uh, on the end. I don't know. But you're not a Christian. You're not regenerate. You're not born again. You're not spirit-filled. The truth has not set you free. In what sense has the truth set you free if that's the description of your life? How are you free? Explain that to me. Free from what? Hmm. The other unnatural sex of course is is bestiality. Uh, it's a uh, this is and they you know, it's coming. I mean, I just saw a judge rule the other day in favor of polyamory in New York. This is where Gay marriage Started If I'm not mistaken <sighs> Homosexual desires In the same category as bestiality and pedophilia Now Christopher Yuan Doesn't want Christians to describe it that way To homosexuals because that's incredibly To them offensive Well it's It's, it's not offensive to people Who have an attraction to Animals and children not offensive to them, it's offensive to homosexuals who find who find sex with animals and children disgusting. Okay, so let me understand this. It is okay for a homosexual to describe the desire for sex with animals and children to be disgusting. But it's not okay for heterosexuals to view homosexuality as disgusting. Now, the same Christopher Yuan is on record as being understanding to pedophilia. I'm sure he's not understanding to, to, to bestiality. He said so himself in one of his talks. Don't use this language to describe or categorize homosexual desire. So homosexuals can do to people who are attracted to animals and children what heterosexuals are not allowed to do to homosexuals. Is that it? This is what we call a double standard, folks. The category is specifically the category of unnatural sexual desires, plain and simple. Unnatural passions, feelings, acts, thoughts. Thoughts. Do not, ever al- do not ever allow the word thought to escape your mind when you're thinking about these things, desires, passions, feelings, thoughts, acts. Look, if homosexual sex is unnatural, then homosexual attraction, desire, feelings, and thoughts, all that is also unnatural. Not only unlawful according to God's law, Unnatural The thought That having sex with a man Is something that Brings you pleasure That thought Bringing you pleasure Is itself A sin It's contrary to God's law Contrary to nature And there are no Desires, passions, feelings Urges In human beings That are morally neutral Or that are without thought There's no such thing as a thoughtless sexual desire For someone of the same sex There's a thought attached to these emotions These urges, these biological urges Thoughts are attached to them Let me say this: It's like uh, hunger. You have an you have a biological urge that we call hunger. You need to eat. Right? Sometimes you 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 are hungry and you start thinking about what what, what you're hungry for, what you want to eat. right but the urge is always accompanied by i want some food i need some food well the the want for food is is not a sin that's not a sin what if you wanted to eat a human what if you were hungry for a human Would that be considered sinful? So the the idea that there's a biological urge, a sexual urge that's biological is undeniable. It's indisputable. It exists. The problem is the minute you start categorizing it, you can't do that without thinking. Sexual urge is a sexual urge. Testosterone. It's there. What is the object of your sexual urge? Requires thought. That requires thought. There are only two categories of sex where nature is concerned, folks. One kind of sex is designed by God in nature, and the other one is not. We see this from the very beginning. To deny this is to reject the Bible's revelation of the created order. God ordained heterosexual sex as the only natural method or human sexual behavior. There are only two moral categories for sexual behavior, lawful and unlawful, or if you prefer, moral and immoral. That's it. There's no neutrality anywhere. Neutrality is impossible where sexual thoughts, feelings, passions, desires, and acts are concerned. And I'm sorry, but you know it's, it's probably not the best practice to separate out Acts Action From things like feelings, passions, desires Because Thoughts are attached to every one of those You don't have them without thinking And thinking is a human act So you really can't have these Feelings, passions, desires Without also having them be Acts in in, in their own right They are acts right? You may not act on Having sex with your neighbor's wife. But you thought about it, and that is an act, and it's a prohibited one. Sexual behavior, which is, encompasses all of these items, fits in three categories. They are either natural and moral, natural and immoral, or Unnatural and immoral There's no cat- There's no fourth category Where something is unnatural And moral If it's unnatural It's immoral Those are the three options You have heterosexual sex You have homosexual sex You have heterosexual thoughts Homosexual thoughts Heterosexual thoughts Can be natural and moral They can be natural and immoral but they're not unnatural. Homosexual thoughts only fit in the one category, both unnatural and immoral. All unnatural sexual behavior is immoral. Homosexual feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, acts, they're all unnatural. Homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality, All the desires, feelings, attractions, thoughts that go with them are all contrary to nature and contrary to divine law. Therefore, all homosexual feelings, desires, passions, and acts, thoughts are unnatural and immoral. What does the Old Testament say about homosexuality? Leviticus 18.22. You should not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. It is an abomination. If there is one man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. Homosexuality was a capital offense that carried the death penalty. It was included in the moral law. The moral characteristics of homosexuality, be it thoughts, desires, feelings, are restated in the clearest of terms in the New Testament under the New Covenant, unlike ceremonial laws which served a completely different purpose. The law prohibiting homosexuality of any kind is grounded in the nature of God and has the purpose of exhibiting the eternal nature of a holy God to all of creation. We'll come back to this, this idea in a shortly. Final comment about the Old Testament, and homosexuality. Genesis 19:24 says, "Then the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah: brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven." Of course, homosexuality was not the only sin Sodom and Gomorrah had practiced. I would submit to you that the reason they practiced the homosexuality was because of depravity in other areas. And this led to greater depravity, which homosexuality is. It is a greater depravity. And the scripture is clear about that degradation. Homosexuals don't want you to think that way about homosexuality. They don't want you to think that it is a worse sin. But when we get to Romans 1... We see that indeed it is. We see Sodom and Gomorrah, that indeed it is. But it is the sin, the sin, that Scripture focuses on when two cities were destroyed. According to Jude, it is the sin that provoked God to move in their complete destruction. We switch gears to the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus says that anyone... Who lust after a woman is guilty of adultery in his heart? The same would be true for a man who is lusting after a same-sex encounter. Having those thoughts, they're in the same category. In other words, just as the forbidden desire makes one guilty of adultery. Now, now think about this lust. This, think about what is required. Thinking is required, folks. Thoughts have to attach to this desire and there's no desire without thoughts they go hand in hand to say that I have homosexual desires is to admit that I have homosexual thoughts and the idea that you're allowed to have homosexual thoughts and it's okay as long as you don't act is an idea that is foreign to scripture Absolutely foreign to Scripture. In other words, just as the forbidden desire makes one guilty of adultery without the act, the forbidden desire or thought of same-sex relations makes one guilty of homosexuality. As I said earlier, according to the Oxford Dictionary, a homosexual is someone who has this tendency, this thought of wanting to have sex with a man or a woman who wants to have sex with a woman. What does the New Testament say about homosexuality? It says, God gave them over to impure lust. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. So here's the thing, guys. You'll hear guys like Christopher Ewan in his clip, and I'm going to go through the clips one by one and respond to them. But they will, one of their... One of their strategies is to make homosexuality no different from any other sin. But if you read Romans chapter 1, you read verses like this. And verses like this are saying, about as clearly as it can be said, because humanity engaged in other sins like the sin of pride or the sin of adultery or the sin of uh, idolatry or whatever the case might be, because Humanity insisted on rebelling against God God gave them over to even worse passions More degrading passions Worse debauchery And in this case, what we're talking about is homosexuality From a moral standpoint It is much more degraded than Say adultery Adultery is A natural Sect act It's an unlawful Sex act It's disordered where the law of God Is concerned It is not disordered where nature is concerned Okay It's an important distinction Homosexuality is disordered Naturally And lawfully but because humanity insisted on being an idolatrous bunch, God gave them over to degrading passions. Unnatural. Says so for this Romans 126. For this reason, God gave them over. No, we'll get into that Greek word. God gave them over. To degrading passions. Unnatural. Shameful. Shameful and unnatural lusts include thoughts. So the thought of same-sex sexual action, thinking about it, is a shameful thought, a shameful urge, a shameful desire, a shameful feeling, okay? That's how the Christian church must look at homosexuality and what we have called same-sex attraction. Christopher Yuan has figured out, well, same-sex attraction kind of got sort of stuck in the mud here. We didn't make the progress we wanted to make, so we got to change up the game. Let's shift strategy. Let's change some words out. And that's what he did. That's what he did. Then again in Romans 1:28. So you see it in Romans 1:24, 1:26, 1:28, God gave them over. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. So they go from bad to worse. From a moral standpoint, from the lesser to the greater immorality. This is clear in in Romans chapter 1. Don't let anyone try to seduce you with magic words that they're not different. They are. The Greek word used in, in these three instances for God gave them over, well, gave them over, uh, is paradidomi. And it means to to hand over, turn over, give a person up. It carries the sense of Police and courts to hand over into the custody of someone. God handed them over into the custody of a depraved mind, of shameful and vile passions. Okay? They professed to be wise, but they became fools. This is why God did it. They exchanged the glory of God for images of corruptible man, birds, animals, and crawling creatures. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. Therefore, God gave them over. And it got worse. Worse. Worse than becoming fools. Worse than exchanging the glory of God for images of corruptible creatures. Worse. Than exchanging the truth of God for a lie, worshiping and serving the Creator. It went from bad to worse. For this reason, God gave them over in the lust of their own hearts to impurity, to degrading passions, and to a depraved mind. A person who is trapped in this world, the world of homosexual desires, attractions, feelings, thoughts, regardless of what you call it, is not a person who has been regenerated by the power of God. People who have been regenerated by the power of God are not left in bondage to their sin. Okay? Let's just be clear about that. Doesn't mean that they are never tempted to think a certain way, but they react the same way to those thoughts with detest, with disgust. God, give me grace. Give me grace to love what you love and to hate what you hate to mortify any thought, to take captive any thought that opposes Christ. And same-sex thoughts oppose Christ. You one might call them feelings. There's no feeling that is not accompanied by a thought, folks. Do not be deceived. Do not be fooled. Those Feelings that Yuan is talking about. Christopher Yuan, Sam Alberry, all these guys. Those feelings are accompanied with thoughts always. They're never alone. Never alone. All right, this is step one. Step one, when when you go back and you look at where we are today with homosexuality, you go all the way back and you watch what happened there was a strategy in place. There was a strategy at play. We just want the same rights as married couples. Like we wanna be able to transfer our wealth to our partner. We want legal protection in these areas. We wanna be able to have our partners on our health care plans and all of these things. And married married people can do that. Why can't we? And so if we legalize homosexual marriage, then 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 we'll be able to have all these rights. And that's really what this is about. And we have since learned that's not really what this is all about, haven't we? We've learned this. We should know better now. This was part of a grand scheme. And if you do not think what's going on in the evangelical churches, and especially the Southern Baptist Convention, which has become a joke. Uh, Where the Bride of Christ is concerned? Yeah. This is a strategy, a deliberate strategy. Do not be deliberately (laughs) naive. Some people, they just don't have the appetite to stand and fight for the truth. Alright, let's uh, let's wrap up the, the New Testament on it. First Corinthians 6 9 says this Do not do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. What is a homosexual? A homosexual is someone who prefers to have sex, wants to have sex. His thoughts about sex, his desires for sex are toward a person of the same sex. Jude 7, talking about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Jude says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality. And went after strange flesh. You attach the word gross immorality. That tells us that it's that there's immorality and there's gross immorality. There are unlawful passions and there are degrading passions. It went after strange flesh. Strange flesh. We know what that means. And liberals come along and they try to muddy the waters. Don't let them muddy the waters. You know what you do with someone who comes along trying to make the argument that homosexuality is okay and that these texts are not really talking about uh, homosexuality? You, you remove them from your church and you don't platform them anymore. That's what you do. It's real simple. You, you remove the leaven from the body of Christ. Remove the wicked man from among you. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, if anyone in your church refuses to obey the instructions in this letter, don't have anything to do with that person. He told the Roman church in Romans 16, anyone comes along causing division, teaching and preaching something other than what you've already been taught, mark that person and, and have nothing to do with them. All right. Now let's turn to more specifically the ideas of Christopher Yuan. Christopher Yuan has refined the the gay Christian argument, the homosexual Christian argument, uh, and he's he has he is he is, he has watched and studied the failures of the past. He has seen where they were able to make ground and to advance their cause within the churches. And then he's he's seen where that stalled. He's seen where that failed. And he's come up with a a modified strategy, right? He's pivoted somewhat to further advance the, the cause, And so in this next podcast, I'm going to talk about how Christopher Yuan is attempting to muddy the waters. I'm going to play some of his clips, and I'm going to interact with those clips uh, and just kind of help you to think biblically about what's being said so that you can truly help people who might be dealing with this issue somewhere in their life whether it's a, a child or a parent or a sibling or a friend right what how do we think about this notion of of homosexuality which includes not just homosexual acts it includes the very thought of homosexual same sex attractions Desires, lusts, feelings, thinking. All right, we'll stop right there, and I'll come back to that episode uh, the next time around. I knew this was probably going to take two episodes, but uh, I will get the epi- the episodes ready. Uh, my notes are ready, so it will not. I don't. There's no prep left, so I should be able to get this up relatively quickly. Uh, should should not be very many gaps. Are you know, a very long gap between this episode and the episode coming. That would not be cool. Thank you for listening. I hope I've said something that has been encouraging in some way, that has been thought provoking in some way, that maybe uh, will help you think better about this issue. And by better, I mean, I mean, biblically. Amen. Continue to stand for the truth. Continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have we are all sinners. We all are created in God's image. We all are mandated to acknowledge God in everything that we do. Uh, and we have fallen short of that. We have rebelled. We have rejected uh, God's design for us, God's law for us. We have rejected God and his word. And are hopeless. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Jesus Christ took our place and faith in Christ, faith in Christ produces justification to life. So if we'll just surrender everything that we have, all of our hopes, desires, dreams, if we will just take those things captive for the glory of God And make it our aim in all that we say, all that we do, all that we think. Make it our aim to honor God, to honor the name of Christ, to glorify God created in His image. Justification of life. Eternal life in Christ awaits us. God bless.